here is a fan of spicy foods? Spicy foods. It's South Texas, so I expected everybody to raise their hand. Um, so yeah, spicy foods. I myself, I mean, you can't grow up in South Texas and not convert to loving spicy food. And so I've converted and it's kind of nostalgic for me. You see, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. I, I grew up, uh, my father every Saturday would order a specific pizza. I remember it to the T. It had to be Pizza Hut. It had to be a thin and crisp, a large, thin and crispy jalapeno pepperoni with extra sauce from Pizza Hut. From Pizza Hut every single Saturday. And we would watch college football and it was so much fun. And so it became nostalgic and it was his special pizza. And one day in particular, I was like, Dad, I want to try your pizza. Because I always ate the plain old, you know, cheese pizza. I would always eat just pepperoni pizza. I was going to try your pizza. I tried it and I was hooked. All it took was just one slice. I was hooked. I was like, this is good. I, I, can, I can handle this. So I thought I was just immune to spice. I, I thought that I was invincible, that I could handle any spicy food. And so I went on this journey of trying all spicy foods. Now, there are two things I regret. One is wasabi. That's another story for another time. <laughs> I was tricked into thinking it was mint ice cream. <laughs> Imagine the shock. Uh, <laughs> the other is this pepper from Mexico. Now, I got to give you the whole backstory in, in this pepper from Mexico scene that's about to take place. So I, I have a friend and we would play basketball every single weekend. We would, we would work out, we'd play basketball, we'd swim. We would have so much fun and we would just completely and utterly e- exhaust ourselves playing basketball all day. And you know how hot it gets here. It's crazy. And the humidity on top of that, it's, it's absurd. Well, unbeknownst to me, this day was the day he happened to run out of water at his house. So we had played so much basketball. We were so exhausted and we're starving. We come inside, we start eating food. We're already dehydrated. Plus now we all have dry mouth because we're eating food without uh, anything to drink. And so I noticed this, uh, this pepper on the counter and my friend sees me looking at it. And this is his moment to strike because he knows that I think I can handle any spicy food. So my friend is actually from Mexico, all right? And this is a certain pepper in Mexico. They says, he told me it was the spiciest in Mexico. And he was like, you won't try it. And I was like, try it. I'll eat it. The whole thing. Big mistake. So I, I take the first bite of this pepper. Keep in mind, he has no water. I take the first bite of this pepper. And the first bite, okay, I can do this. I can do this. The second bite's where it gets rough because you're not going to miss any seeds in the second bite. So I get a bite of those seeds. And those of you who know how spicy the seeds are, that's, that's where it's the worst. So then I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting to sweat a little bit, but I got to play it cool. But this is where it gets worse. I, I take the next bite. It's really hard to play it cool when now your eyes are watering. <laughs> All right, so now I'm getting made fun of because now I'm sweating. I'm, I, I'm crying. And like, what's wrong, Mace? I thought you could handle any, any sort of spice. I thought you could handle any of it. I'm sweating. I'm crying. I can't take any more. I give in and I'm like, I'm like, please give me some water. He's like, oh yeah, about that. (laughs) We don't have any water, but you should be fine, right? Because you know, you can handle any spice. I was just like, no, I'm not fine. I can't do this anymore. And he says, tell you what, I don't have any water. This is so messed up. This is so messed up what he does to me. He said, I don't have any water, but I have this Diet Coke. Now you can see how this is just getting progressively worse. Those of you who know spicy foods and carbonated drinks, don't mix well at all. So I drink this Diet Coke so fast and Diet Coke itself is spicy. And so now it's worse. 
And on top of that, I'm already like sweating profusely. I'm, I'm just trying to drink anything at this point. I drink it so fast, the carbonation starts coming back up. So now we have to relive the spice all over again. <laughs> it's just coming back up. And I'm like, oh, oh. it was awful. Awful. I was so depleted and I was so dehydrated in my mouth. I, I was willing to drink anything. And I tell you this story because isn't it funny how if you're thirsty enough, you will drink anything. Isn't it crazy how if, if you are depleted enough, if you're dehydrated enough, you can bring yourself to drink anything. So today I, I want to talk to you. I, I want to talk to you about symptoms of dehydration. Symptoms of dehydration. As I mentioned earlier, this is a two-part series, mini-series we're doing called The Power of God. And let me tell you something, it's really hard to experience the power of God if you're always walking around dehydrated. It's really hard to experience the power of God if you are spiritually drained, spiritually dehydrated and walking around on empty. How can you experience, truly experience the power of God? Today, we're going to pick up in the book of John, chapter 4, 4 through 14. John chapter 4, 4 through 14. Starts off like this. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot ground of Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. It's so important to realize here that the verse states it was about noon. It was the hottest time in the day. And this, and this woman decides to show up to draw her water from the well during the hottest time of the day when nobody else is there. Why is that? That is because she's trying to avoid the crowd, not knowing she's about to have a collision with Jesus. She's trying to avoid the crowd because this woman's been up to some things and the whole town knows about it. And, and she's a little ashamed. So rather than addressing it and coming forward and say, yes, this is, this, is, this is who I am. This is what I've done. And rather than changing, I'm just going to act like it's not really going on. And I'm just going to live the rest of my life in shame and adjusting to my sin rather than confessing it. So she's avoiding the crowds and she's about to have this collision with Jesus. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You see, Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And this is really where I want to hone in today, this last part of the passage. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Whoever drinks this water will never thirst. Today, I want to talk to you about symptoms of dehydration. And in order to talk about some of these symptoms, I want to break down first some of the physical symptoms of being dehydrated. I want to break down some of the physical symptoms first. So some of the physical symptoms of being physically dehydrated include, and are not limited to, thirst, dry mouth, 
lack of urination, dry and cool skin, headaches, migraines, muscle cramps, dizziness, rapid heartbeats and palpitations, rapid breathing, sunken eyes, sleepiness or a lack of energy, confusion, irritability, and even passing out. So those are some of the physical symptoms. But today I want to talk to you about some of the spiritual symptoms of being dehydrated, spiritually dehydrated. See, you, you know you're spiritually dehydrated when you don't have goals anymore. Now you only care about proving people wrong. You know you're spiritually dehydrated when you don't feel convicted about anything anymore. You know you're spiritually dehydrated when you roll over when it comes to your beliefs. You know you're spiritually dehydrated when your standard drops after each relationship you move on from. And you know you're spiritually dehydrated when you see the worst in everything, everybody, and complain about everything. Everybody has met somebody like this in their life before. Everybody has met that negative Nancy that at one point was really positive and you loved hanging around them, but somehow along the way, they've managed to become so spiritually dehydrated. Everything about them is so negative that now you yourself find it hard to be positive around them. And these are just some of the symptoms of being spiritually dehydrated. And we just went through a list of some of the physical symptoms and some of the spiritual uh, symptoms. But today I want to focus on three symptoms that are both physical and spiritual when it comes to dehydration. Today I want to talk to you about three symptoms of dehydration that affect us both physically and spiritually. The first one, symptom one, if you're taking notes today, symptom one is dehydration leads to drinking anything. Much like the story I shared with you earlier about how I was so thirsty, I, I was so dehydrated, I, I was willing to bring myself to drink anything, many of us today can relate. And I don't know what it is to you, what it is for you, I don't know what it is that you run to whenever you need that pick me up in the afternoon, you're like, man, I'm so drained, I just need something to keep me going. I don't know what it is for you, but I know all the sorority white girls driving the white Jeep Wranglers can relate, and they gotta have their pumpkin spice latte with four pumps of oat milk in it. Four, don't mess with me. Four, I can taste it, all right? So I don't know what it is for you, but maybe this is not just something to get you through your day. Maybe this is something to help you start your day. Maybe this is what you run to. Okay, let's go. This one doesn't have ice in it. Last service, I almost choked. There's an ice cube that got in my throat. Maybe this is what you run to. Or maybe, maybe you're more extreme. There's uh, some energy drink connoisseurs uh, in the room today. Some people that I know at our church who are obsessed with trying every single new energy drink that comes out. So maybe your thing is pre-workout or energy drinks, or maybe you're just like, I got to shotgun this thing and I got to get a sick pump for the gym, bro. A sick pump. So maybe your thing is energy drinks. Or maybe, this is if you're crazy, maybe your thing is these little bad boys. Now, the funny thing is I've never actually seen someone drink these in real life. And there's a reason for that because they're insane. And two, they look like rat poison. (laughs) I'm sorry. They look like rat poison. I hope we, you know, don't get monetized or something for me saying that, but 
and they taste like rat poison too. So maybe you, you, you run to all these things to, to pick you up and to fill you up throughout your day and to keep you going. But did you know that yes, caffeine does boost performance, but only for a short time? Did you know that caffeine actually has a major side effect to it? And caffeine is actually a stimulant that stimulates the body to flush all liquids in your system. And isn't it funny how the things we run to are actually the very thing that are leaving us more dehydrated than we were before. Isn't it funny how we have these things that we cope with? We have these things that we run to. We have these things that we seek feelings for, something just to feel any sort of simulation whatsoever. And those are the things that leave us more empty than ever. Many of us, it's a relationship that it's not even healthy. It's just that it's the only thing we know. Or it's the thing that we've been, been in the longest and we're comfortable. So maybe this is what you run back to. Maybe it's, it's not a, a relationship. Maybe for you, it's a friend group. And, and you find yourself going back to this friend group to give you some sort of positive affirmation, some sort of energy, something to pick you up. And they never do. And it always ends up being something traumatic or bad that comes from this friend group. But because we can't discern good company from bad company, we would rather be surrounded with bad company than isolate and be alone. Maybe it's not a relationship or a friend group. Maybe it's a substance. Maybe, maybe we've tried self-medicating and, and we feel like nothing else works and we tried the pills, we, we tried the bottles and it's fun for a night out, but at the end of the day, I, I thought I was gonna have so much fun on this night out and I end up back home eating a greasy burger from Whataburger, still empty as ever. I don't know what it is that you find yourself running to, but we all have something. But there is only one source that can truly satisfy you forever. And that is the living water. There's only one source that can satisfy you forever. And that is the living water. Symptom two of dehydration is dehydration leads to hallucination. Dehydration leads to hallucination. Now, did you know that the human body is so incredible that if you were stranded in a desert and you were on the brink, of, brink of, of dying from dehydration, your mind will actually start to portray images in front of you that are false. Your mind will actually begin to hallucinate. And a hallucination is really just an image that's not really there. A hallucination is a mirage that doesn't actually exist. But your brain will signal to you and look, use reflections of light through the eyes and make you think that there's a body of water not too far, but not too close, just to keep you going a little longer. And if not a body of water, sometimes you see, you see people that aren't really there. Or if not that, sometimes your brain is so smart, it will make you envision palm trees. Because you know if there's palm trees, there has to be a body of water, near, body of water nearby. And that'll keep me going. Because dehydration leads to hallucination. Now, I don't know if anybody can relate, but I myself have been so spiritually dehydrated before that I find myself falling for something that wasn't really there. I, found, I have found myself pursuing things that I thought had God written all over it, but no, man, that's just your brain. That's just you hallucinating. That's just some spiritual dehydration going on. Fellas, you thought that girl was the one for you, but no, it's just your brain playing tricks on you. You're just spiritually dehydrated. Ladies, you, you thought this... This was going to be your man of God. But no, no, no. You're just so spiritually dehydrated. The fact that he has a Jesus piece around his neck, that's enough. The fact that he has a Jesus tattoo, he's the one. Or, or maybe, 
Maybe you're so spiritually dehydrated, you convince yourself this is the business partner that you want to do business with. Yeah, they're a little shady and yeah, they cut some corners and they don't really believe in pursuing excellence, but man, it's the first thing here and I am so dehydrated right now and I've had this dream for so long, I'm just gonna jump into business with them. I don't know what it is for you, but we've all had things that we've pursued thinking this has gotta be it. This has gotta be the right decision for me. But in reality, we're so dehydrated, we end up hallucinating and pursuing nothing more than a mirage. Another symptom of being dehydrated is dehydration leads to heat exhaustion. Dehydration leads to heat exhaustion. We have a, um, a dear friend of mine uh, on staff here at uh, Church Unlimited. He's at our Stonic location. His name is Kai. Kai is our student pastor uh, at the Stonic location. And before Kai was one of our student pastors, Kai came down and he was part of our internship program. And you see, Kai is from Brooklyn. Okay, so keep that in mind. He's from Brooklyn coming down here for our internship. Our interns have to... Um, have to get to partake in our student camp. It's amazing. It's an amazing experience. Some of you have had a chance to serve in our student camps before. Um, so we're serving in this student camp out at Camp Zephyr, right? It's incredibly hot and incredibly humid. So it's incredibly hot and incredibly humid. And we have a new intern from, Brook, uh, from Brooklyn. So he's not used to this type of humidity and this type of heat. And let me tell you something. Kai only knows one gear and that is Go. That is just go. So Kai's going hard. And we're, we thought we were doing a good job of staying hydrated that week of, of camp. We thought we were doing a good job of staying in the shade when we could. Some people had umbrellas. Some people would wear towels over their heads. We thought we were doing a good job. And he was doing a good job until the last day hit. And we're unloading all the student luggage out of the buses back onto the pavement. We're unloading every single student's luggage. And all of a sudden, Kai collapses. He collapses, he's exhausted. This freaks us out because he's exhausted himself to the brink and we have to pick him up and carry him inside and we have to cover his vital points with packages of um, um, ice of ice, and, and we're wiping his head off and we're surrounding him with fans and we're just trying to get his body to cool down because he's on the verge of a heat stroke. He's having heat exhaustion right now in the moment and you know if it gets any worse, it can literally be lethal. And so we're just trying to get him to cool down and it's funny because he only knows one gear, he's go, go, go and even in the midst of doing things for God, you can still find yourself being dehydrated. Even in the midst of, of doing so much good, you can still find yourself dehydrated because you see Kai was, he was ingesting, he was drinking water, he was trying to stay in the shade, but he was still pouring out so much more than what he was ingesting. And many of us here today are doing a good job of, of ingesting, but we're outpouring more than we're ingesting. And it's leading us to dehydration, to burnout. Look, I... I understand you, you're trying to be a father. You're trying to be a mother. You're trying to be a good husband. You're trying to be a good wife. You're also trying to be a good parent. You're also trying to be a good employee. And you still have to also have time for your hobbies and your passions. And you think one sermon from Pastor Bill a week is enough? You have so much that you are outpouring and you think that one Sunday service is enough. So much is coming out. And you think that this one week is enough. No, we need so much more than that. You gotta be in a life group. You, you gotta find community. You need people to lift you up. You gotta get in the word every single day. 
And you got to ask yourself, is, is it really, is, is this burnout every single day that I'm experiencing worth this? Or should I just set my alarm clock 15 minutes earlier and get in the word before I even start my day to eliminate me from becoming spiritually dehydrated? The, the outpour is so much more than what we are taking in. And that is what is leading us to spiritual dehydration. I'm going to call the band at all campuses back on stage as we get ready to close today. And I'm so glad that we were able to go over some of these symptoms of dehydration. And it's, it's so important to recognize these symptoms of dehydration because you can recognize it, but now we have to recognize the place where you're most likely to get dehydrated. The place where you are most likely to get dehydrated is the desert. You see, the desert has this negative connotation about it as if it's this bad thing. Our desert seasons, our dry seasons, the seasons where things get really, really hard. But it's funny because time and time again, the desert has always been the tool that God uses to deliver his people. We see God deliver Israel through the desert. We see after Jesus has been baptized, he decides to go fast and pray 40 days and 40 nights in where? The desert. The desert is meant to be a, a stage in a, in a temporary state. It's meant to be your development. And you see, the enemy is terrified of what's on the other side of your desert. He does not want to let you get to your promised land. And the enemy knows I can't outright destroy you, but what I can do is I can distract you and I can get you so dehydrated. I can just get you wandering around in that desert for years. And I can't destroy you, but maybe I can just distract you long enough to whenever that opportunity, that God opportunity presents itself, you're so distracted, you miss it. Or maybe I can get you so distracted that you're not even confident enough to step into it. If I can just get you drained enough, I don't need to destroy you. I just need to distract you. See, the enemy wants to take something that's meant to be a stage of your development and make it a permanent state. The desert is always just meant to be a tool. But the dangerous thing about the desert isn't the lack of water. There's another aspect to the desert that makes it so dangerous as it's meant to be this tool. But the thing that makes the desert so dangerous isn't the lack of water. What makes the desert so dangerous is the predators. Desert predators are the most toxic predators. See, poisonous things, toxic things thrive in the desert. Snakes, centipedes, scorpions. And what's so dangerous about desert predators is they don't strike in the way traditional predators in the animal kingdom would. Matter of fact, what a desert predator does is it waits for their prey to be completely dizzy, completely drained, and completely dehydrated. And then these predators strike and they latch onto you. And they don't actually try to devour you all at once. They just latch onto you. They sink their fangs in you. And they start to fill you with something toxic, fill you with something venomous. And you know the messed up thing? They let go and leave as if nothing ever happened. Many of us, many of us in here today have suffered a lot of trauma wounds a lot of things that we, we can't get over, a lot of things in us that we don't even realize is there because we had something latch on to us 
someone, something, an experience that we can't let go of, a toxic person in our life who left all their traits in us. They might not be in our life anymore, but all the negative and toxic and poisonous traits are still in you. And that's why when the going gets tough and you're squeezed, something starts to come out of you and you don't even know what's coming out of you. This isn't me. Did I just say that to the person that I love? This isn't me. I'm not not a jealous type. I'm, I'm not the controlling type. I'm not a manipulative person. I'm not, this isn't my makeup. This isn't me. What is this that's coming out of me? And you don't know where it's coming from. Where is this hurt coming from? And you don't know where it's coming from because it's not from you. It's something that was left in you by one of these desert predators, by that hurt that's been left in you and you've been trying to deal with it and it's been left in you. It's been 10 years and it's still floating around in you. And you're asking God, God, use me, use me, God. I wanna be a pure vessel for you. And he's trying to use you as a vessel, but you're not choosing to be a vessel hydrated and filled by life. You're a vessel instead that is filled with poison and venom and toxicity. Because hear me when I say this, poison is a liquid too. So are you choosing to be a vessel that's filled with life or a vessel that's still dwelling on something that happened to you decades ago, years ago, months ago? I have a friend of mine who's incredibly talented at basketball. Incredible. He had a couple offers to go play college. He didn't actually pursue it, and I'm going to tell you why. We would go and train every single day, and then we would play basketball afterwards, and we would get food, and we really tried to sharpen each other, not just physically, but we would also try to sharpen each other spiritually as well. And one day, we had just got done training and playing basketball, we went to grab some food and we came home and we watched sermons while we eat our food. And so we were watching by this sermon and we had no idea what was about to happen just from watching the sermon. In this sermon, the pastor was talking about something similar to what we're talking about today. He was talking about stony hearts and how there are some words that have been preached to us over and over again for years and we have notebooks filled with forgiveness, but we still can't forgive. We, we have issues that we know we need to let go of and we've let go of 90%, but I'm still gonna hold on to that 10 And we know what we need to do and we still can't let go of it because we have these stony hearts. And you see, a word can't penetrate through that stony heart. It needs to be soft soil for that seed to grow. Once we got done watching this sermon, my friend looked at me and he said, Mason, I'm gonna tell you something I never told anybody before. He said, you know, I don't even like basketball. I said, well, that's weird because you're really, really good at it. He said, no, I actually don't like basketball. I'm actually tired of it. He said, I haven't told anyone this before, but my father passed when I was three. And all I've known my whole life is as they open up old books with old photos of us in it, is I'll see my dad wearing basketball jerseys. I saw my dad used to be an incredible basketball player. I saw this one photo of my dad holding me in his jersey and me in a matching jersey. And I didn't realize that all the years I was doing it, I told myself I was doing it because I loved being the guy as I walked through the high school, um, as I walked through the halls of my high school. I loved people cheering every time I would hit game winners on the court. But every time I laced up my shoes and every time I stepped on the court, it wasn't because of my love for basketball. It was because of need for affirmation from my father. So this whole time, I thought what was driving me to live my life the way I was going to live it, I have dreams and aspirations built about going to college for basketball. 
And now I don't want to do that because the only thing that's driving me into that is hurt. It's not love. It's not living water. It's something hurt. It's something that hurts, something that's broken in me from my past. And I didn't even realize it's there, but tonight now I realize it's there. And I don't know who this is for, but I believe some, someone in this room right now is having things revealed to them that they didn't even know was there. And I'll tell you what, I, I was writing this sermon. I was, I was writing this sermon for me because something my father always tells me is whenever you don't know what to preach on, preach to yourself. So as I was writing this sermon, I was writing this sermon for me and you have no idea how, much, how hard it was to write this. And, and the tears that I cried as I was writing this because I didn't realize how much brokenness was in me. And please hear me when I say this, just because you're not hurting doesn't mean you're not hurt. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. And there are a lot of things that we've buried and we just never want to address ever again. We're asking to be this pure vessel for God, but there's still toxicity flowing through us. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you have lust issues from a past relationship. Maybe you have trust issues from a mentor that you thought you could trust. Maybe you've been taken advantage of by somebody. Maybe there was a family member who did something to you and you don't even know how to talk about it. Maybe you've been cheated on so many times you consider cheating yourself. Maybe you've been cheated on so many times you don't even believe in love anymore. Maybe you're suffering from abandonment issues from that person who used to say, I love you every single day and they up and left with no explanation and no closure. And now you've suffered from abandonment issues ever since. Maybe you have some mother wounds from a mother who didn't know how to be the nourishing and loving mother that you needed. Maybe you have some father wounds from a father who wasn't even there. And now every day you walk this earth, you walk this earth wondering what it means to really be a man. Maybe you had good parents, but maybe you just had parents who weren't ready to be parents yet. And you had to grow up too fast. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you didn't get the childhood you deserved. It's not fair. It's not right. I'm so, so sorry. And if that's you today, I got news for you. I have some really good news for you. See, the old practice for dealing with poisonous or toxic wounds back in the day was amputation. See, what they would do is if you had a a toxic wound, they would simply amputate it not actually fix anything. We're just going to cut it off and we're just going to leave it over there and just act like nothing ever happened to you, but you have to go on the rest of your life. Half the person you were before. The new practice today, it got a little better. We have ways with modern medicine to drain the wound of its toxicity, but you're still left with a little nerve damage. And yeah, you got to keep the limb, but it's still not going to operate fully. I got good news for you today. What God wants to do with that toxic wound, what God wants to do with the things that 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 person left inside of you, what God wants to do for you is so much better than the old practice and today's practice. What God wants to do for you is he doesn't want to just cut off your limbs and tell you to not address it ever again. 
and leave you limping. He doesn't wanna just drain the venom out of your wound and you'll never get full use out of that limb ever again. No, no, no. What God wants to you do for you is give you something brand new. God doesn't wanna just refurbish you. He wants to give you something brand new. And I don't know who this is. I don't know who this is for today, but I believe somebody in, the, in here needs to hear this. That you're not meant to be a refurbished piece of equipment. You're not meant to be a home that's been rebuilt from the inside out. No, God wants to make you a new creation. Something brand new. Brand new. He doesn't want to act like nothing ever happened and just cut it off. He doesn't want to just drain you of the hurt and tell you to get on with it. No, he wants to do something brand new in you today. But here's the question. As we get ready to go into this moment of worship, he wants to do it for you. But do you trust him enough to let him operate on you? You got to trust your doctors sometimes to operate on you. And it's scary. But right now we're going to open up the altar and go into this moment of worship. And right now you might have some things that you know you need to bring. Some things that you've been holding on to for years that you know you need to bring right now. And look, we can do the thing where we pretend like we have nothing to bring. We can do that. We can play church all we want. But it's really hard to go and be the church when you're so busy playing it. We want to be these clean, pure vessels for God, but we don't give our lives over to God. We don't give him everything that we're still holding on to, all the baggage, all the pain, all the things that we didn't even know was there. But again, just because you're not hurting doesn't mean you're not hurt. And God might have revealed something to you today in this moment. And he wants to do something brand new for for you, but you had to trust him to operate on you. So as we get ready to go into this moment, I just want to ask you to come forward and we can pretend all we want. I used to be the guy who would sit in the chairs and be like, no, I'm not moving. I'll deal with it right here, God. I'll deal with it right here. But I'm not even willing to bring it forward. I'm so, I'm so ashamed and I believe that I can fix it myself, God. I'm just going to stay right here. I'm not going to actually step forward onto your operating table and let you operate on me. So we can do that. We can pretend all we want and we can try wearing that mask that we wear in front of other people. We can try wearing that in front of God today if we want to. But how are we supposed to go and be the church if we're too busy playing it? And I'm not gonna preach anything I won't practice. So I'm gonna come down here and I'm gonna get on my knees before God as well. You're free to join me. So Church Unlimited, will you let him operate on you? With my arms stretched wide 
Church Unlimited can feel the spirit moving this morning. I feel like a lot of people were able to address some things that they had no idea was there. Maybe you're just coming to check out church for the first time today and you're like, I'll I'll give it a shot. Sure, why not? Or maybe you're that person who's like, I'll give church one more chance. One more. Because the last one I was at hurt me. And I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe God brought you here for a reason today. And so you may see what everybody's doing in this moment, bringing things forward. And you may be like, I don't, I don't know what it is they have, but they're able to put their hope in something. And I've never been able to do that. And I want that. Whatever it is they have, I want that. See, there's this old practice for very, very rare conditions of dehydration. You can get brought into an emergency room and they'll hook you up to an emergency IV. I got news for you today. You may have been walking around this earth your whole life, so dehydrated, not knowing who Jesus is. I have such great news for you. Jesus wants to be your emergency IV. Jesus wants to fill you and satisfy you and not just refurbish you. He wants to make you brand new. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do so today. You can accept him as your Lord and Savior. Not only spend eternity in heaven with him, but you also get restoration and you also get a mission for all your days forward. So if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you can do so by praying this simple prayer with me. I want to encourage everybody across all locations, even our viewers joining us online and in our prison ministries, if you want to accept Jesus right now, I want to encourage you to pray it out loud for those who may be around you who are too shy to do so. So right now, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do so by praying this simple prayer after me. If you want to accept Jesus right now, just pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I admit I'm a sinner. And I believe you came and died for me and rose again three days later, proving that you are God. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart Jesus, I make you my Lord. Jesus, I make you my Savior. It's in your name. Amen. I actually want to stay in this moment for a little bit. I want to encourage everybody to keep their heads bowed and eyes closed. I do believe the Holy Spirit just filled this room. God, thank you so much for allowing us to experience the power of you, the power of God. I just want to ask you something today. If you made that decision for Jesus, if you made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, no one looking around right now. We don't want you to just own it in your heart. We want you to proclaim it. So will you stick that hand up on the count of three and let us know? Will you share that with us? One, it's going to require some bravery. Two, I promise it required a lot more bravery from Jesus. Three, stick that hand up if you accepted Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Stick that hand up. Own it. Own that salvation the way Jesus owned all of our sin. Own that salvation the way Jesus owned all of our sin. No one looking around right now. This is a moment between me, you, God, our campus pastors. Proclaim that. Jesus, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me. 
Thank you for hydrating me. Thank you for being my living water. Father God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for all of our new brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. Thank you so much for everything that you have done and everything you're going to continue to do, God. And I pray for the people who just accepted Jesus, Lord, and the people who just found restoration in you, that they realize today is not just a happy ending. No, this is actually just the beginning of their journey with you, God. Thank you, God, for letting us experience the power of you, the power of our God. It's in your name we pray, amen.